0: Well, join me this morning in taking up your Bibles. One of the things I love about being part of this church is you love the Word of God and you keep track in your Bibles of where we're going to be like good and faithful Bereans to see if these things are so. It is your responsibility, and it is my responsibility to rightly divide the Word of Truth For the Lord's sake. Let's turn in our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. And let me read verse 7. Hebrews 11 verse 7. By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark, For the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me this morning as we prepare for the exposition of God's Word? Our Father, we pray your special dispensation today through the sending of God the Holy Spirit, that he would prevail over the hearts and minds of all who hear this message, to use your words of power in their lives, in my life. Teach us, O Lord God, about yourself, about your plan and your purpose, and about your deliverance. We ask for your help in these things this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Chapter 11. We find faith unfolding in the various lives of, we call the fathers and mothers of faith, who have come before us. The topic and issue of faith sometimes seems to get into the mystical and magical rather than into the practical and real. What is faith and how does it act? What does it look like? Faith is not just a feeling. Feelings come and go. Faith, good true faith, is based in fact in facts, and the person who made all facts, God, very God. And this morning we look at Noah, a man who was moved by the message that he heard with godly fear. So here we find that faith that pleases God is perhaps contrary to what many people today in many parts of Christendom would like repeated or like to hear. See, faith that pleases God fears God. Let me say that again. Faith that pleases God fears God. It wasn't that many years ago, and matter of fact, just in a previous generation, where it was a title to be sought after, to be referred to as a God fearing man. A God fearing man. That was a, a character quality that was admired and it was recognized in the world that was called the church. And even outside it, it was a powerful statement to be referred to as a God-fearing man. In our society, the over-preaching of some messages about God to the neglect of others, it has fallen out of use, and so has fallen out of practice. I think the same situation was taking place in Noah's day. For so many days and years and centuries since the creation of of the world, man had lost his way. There was need for a warning. We know about warnings, don't we? Right now on the the coast, as the fall comes, particularly the east coast and the gulf coast, etc., the hurricane season is here. And now we have so many advanced warning systems via flying satellites and different planes that can do and all the different meteorological instruments that are able to measure what is happening and the development of storms and can give an early warning to the landfall of a storm that could indeed do damage to property and even more so can kill people. Even in the United States and in Canada, we've all been uh, looking at the sky this summer. And the sky has been full of smoke. Fires in Canada. And in Montana, it's a common thing. in The summer season, fires. And when a fire is burning, the warnings given become valuable. And many times a life is lost when warnings were not heeded. You know, even when a dark cloud comes over the city and you're inside working your job or inside the house and you realize, I better run out and roll my window up before it rains. The clouds themselves, aren't they declaring some sort of a, a warning? Giving you advance notice to do something? Similarly, that's what we're studying today. The grace of God in giving warnings to protect people, but also to protect them by causing fear. So today we will see four features of a God-fearing man. Four features of a God-fearing man so that we may follow Noah's faith, his example of faith as a god Fearing man, as a God-fearing Christian, if you will, unto deliverance to life. So faith that pleases God fears God. Let me read Hebrews eleven seven again. By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his house. For his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to grace. Let me give you the first feature of a God fearing man. If you would like to be one, or a God fearing woman, we can add that, of course. Man in the general term. A God fearing man fears the warnings of God, fears the warnings given by God. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not seen. So a God-fearing man who has fear of the warnings of God listens to the warnings of God, letter A in your notes, which takes us to Genesis chapter 6. Who is this Noah? What was going on in his day? We find out here in Genesis chapter 6, the very beginnings of the earth and the world yet a new beginning but also an ending is about to take place where noah will listen to the warnings given by god the state of the world was so horrible that the thoughts and intents of every man and woman on the face of the earth was evil all the day long and then we see this verse 5 where this is reiterated Chapter 6, verse 5, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, or all day long. And the Lord was sorry, verse 6, that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man. Perfect or, i.e., blameless in his generation, Noah walked with God. Now, this is the second and only that we'll ever see referred to in this way. The first was Enoch, whom we've just studied, and now Noah walked with God. And Noah begot three sons Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy, destroy them from the earth. Now pay attention to verse 14. Make yourselves an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish it to a cubit from above, and set the door of the ark in its side." shall make it with a lower, second, and third decks. And behold, I myself am bringing the flood of waters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life, and everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing, of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Of the birds after their kind, of animals after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after their kind, two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. And you shall take for yourself of all the food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Verse 22, zero in there, thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him. A God-fearing man fears the warnings of God and he listens to the warning of God. And by the way, this was the first warning of total destruction ever given. There weren't previous ones. This was one and only that Noah had ever heard. The first message, a warning of God. And he did what God said, he listened. In the book of Hebrews, the Hebrews are the center of attention, the Israel people of God. Israel does not have a good track record in their historical chronicle of heeding the warnings of God. The book of Hebrews is given to remind to remind Hebrew Christians of the fickle nature of faith that their forefathers had carried to warn them against being so flippant about the warnings and the realities of God in judgment when they fail to believe and obey. Let me give you just a few of them by way of reminder that we've studied in the past, because this is a book of five distinct and serious warnings that everyone need listen to, not just the Hebrews, but all who read it today, including us. Hebrews chapter 2 now, if you will, verse 1. Therefore, the writer says, we, all of us, must give a more earnest heed to the things we have heard, listen, lest we drift away. This is even in the nautical type of term. I think it ties in quite well to a fellow who's building an ark. Lest we drift away. Verse 2. For if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast, And every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, meaning justice was always done. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. Here's the warning. Here's the authentication of the warning with the miracles. Here's the opportunity of escape. Don't miss it. Give heed to it. I.e., heed means listen, not just hear it, but do something about it when you hear. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, we again see a warning, beware. We know what this means. Wear means to pay attention. Beware is to be on your toes, be on good attention. There is danger. Now listen, there's danger, brethren, verse 12, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Listen, listen, listen to the warnings of God and take them seriously. That is an element of being a God-fearing man point out to your attention chapter 3 and chapter 4 of Hebrews, and I want you to notice that there are four repetitions of the same Old Testament passage that cries out for the Hebrew to remember when their forefathers refused to listen to God and were punished and are now being encouraged not to miss it again. Chapter 3, verse 7. We find the first. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trials in the wilderness. We see this very same quotation take place again in verse 15. While it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, Chapter 4, now verse 3, for we who have believed do enter that rest, for he has said, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Which then gives it to us again in verse 7, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Do not harden your hearts. Is it amazing to you, do you watch the news when they're reporting on the hurricanes that are coming ashore? And they always have the weatherman that goes down into the town right near the sea and interviews the people who have decided not to obey the evacuation order, but to stay. Do you ever watch those people? What goes through your mind? I know what goes through my mind, and it's not, boy, this is the wisest fellow I've ever heard speak. Boy, I sure want to be like him. I want to go down there too and say something like, this is my home. We're not leaving. We've made it through others. We'll probably make it through again. I don't know about you, but I'm just thinking, hmm. Give it a go. And then I think further. With you there, and all this happening, now somebody else is going to have to go get you and put their life in danger when you're standing on your roof saying, I didn't think the water would rise this high. What about them? It is amazing that this kind of thing can become catchy to not listen That'd be sort of a form of strength. I'm going to stand in the face of a hurricane. I'm not afraid. That is not courage. That's foolhardiness. And it's also evil. As I said, you put your own life, which is valuable to God, at risk, and you put the lives of others who are trying to save you at risk. It reminds me of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where this is said by way of warning. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. It's amazing that men don't want to be seen to be the scaredy cat. Men, can I have a hearty amen? That wasn't good enough, you scaredy cats. Can't you say amen? Men, are you brave enough to say amen now? See what I'm saying? That's how it can work when somebody's standing against the warnings of God and leading others astray as well. We don't want to be among them. The God-fearing listens to the warnings of God, and he also believes the warnings of God. He believes what he has heard. Letter B in your notes and back to our text where we read that Noah being divinely warned of things not seen. Not seen. Remember what faith is. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is, this is a definition. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, That means the content of things behind what we hope for, i.e. the facts of God and the person of God. Listen now, the evidence of things not seen. We could also read it, the confidence of things not seen, and we could even translate it, the seen as though they already are of things not seen. Now, storm warnings come that way. Storm warnings come, and we can't see the storm. It's a nice day out when they give the warning. Even a fire warning usually comes before you see the fire, which is very helpful if you would like to evacuate before you are judged by what's coming. For Noah, he was warned of things not yet seen. He saw it as though they were real things to come. By the way, if you can flip back in your Bibles to Genesis one more time, we're going to notice the character of the world in which he lived, which seems to be different than ours, insofar as the agricultural cycles of the first earth, and I call it the first earth because it was destroyed, The cycle of things in the first earth were different. Genesis chapter 2 now, verse 6. But mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. I'm not going to belabor that point. I'm not going to get into the science of it. I don't know how that worked. Much like I don't know many things about God and his workings, I just know when God says that's how it worked, That's how it worked. We're used to rain. The New Testament even says that God gives us rain and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. It seems that in the time of Noah, they had missed. So when God said rain, it was something heretofore not seen that Noah was believing. He was taking God at his word. And then even if you would like, in, in reading in Genesis again, you see in chapter 7 and verse 11 these words. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, and on that day, listen, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened and the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. I'm just asking you, have you ever seen any fountains of the deep? I haven't. Let me tell you something about the earth that I know about practically. Vicky and I live in the country, many of you know this, in this wonderful little mountain range called the Big Snowy Mountains. We live on the western foothills of that which just happens to be artesian well country. And if you dig deep enough, kaboom! Pressurized water comes forth from I know not where. Though it's not seen, every morning I turn the faucet on, expecting it to be there. I have faith in it, How does it work? I don't know. And don't come to me after and say, well, pastor, actually, you see, it's a different thing. The tectonic plates of the earth. Okay. (laughs) There's obviously more water under us than we know about, and Noah found out. But Noah believed before it happened. That's faith in things unseen that he sees as though they are, because they're based on his God. Unbelief is easy. You realize that? Unbelief is easy. That's why so many do it. And it's also selfish, because we think we know everything. Well, if I can't see it, I don't believe it until a gust of wind punches you down. Hmm. Didn't see that coming. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the way it works. There is power beyond you, and you are rather small, and hurricanes are good for reminding us of that. So are forest fires. God has been giving warnings. By the way, do you realize the reason God sent prophets wasn't because Israel was doing well? He didn't send them because he wanted to reward them. Prophets were sent when Israel was off the rails refusing his warnings, not following his way, and prophets were sent to warn them back on track. Kind of like parents, right, children? (laughs) How lovely they are to us. Actually, they are. They're protecting you. Which is what God did when he sent Isaiah. And one of the most famous Christological messianic portions of the book of Isaiah. You all know the chapter. What chapter is it? Chapter 53. You're right. Chapter 53. In chapter 53, Mashiach, Messiah of Israel, is proclaimed. But I want to remind you how chapter 53 begins. It ties into where we are in Hebrews. Isaiah 53, verse 1 the prophet says and asks this question, who has believed our report? Rather rhetorically, no one. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Rhetorical in the other way, everyone. So who has believed us? Nobody. To whom has it been revealed that they should believe him? Everybody. And now it speaks of Messiah. Verse 2, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. So this is saying that the the Messiah, when he comes, will be of regular features, of regular style. He's not going to be the best-looking, best-athletic one at all. He's going to be normal, average. And even more so, it is predicted uh, how he will not be believed by his own people. How he will not be seen as Messiah and Deliverer by the very ones who have the text of Scripture announcing his arrival in the future if they would just see it as though it were already seen in faith. Verse 3. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Now listen, this is where it gets... Predictive and also retrospective. This is like Israel after the fact of receiving their Messiah. And then they say this, and we hid. God sent his son. God sent Messiah. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. We wouldn't believe the signs. We wouldn't believe the prophets. We wouldn't heed the warnings. He came and he left, and we have but judgment. It's easy to not believe unless you can see. Even one of the disciples of Jesus, right? Thomas, what do we call Thomas now? What is his moniker that now goes before his name? He's a Thomas, a doubting Thomas, how would you like that stuck on you for the rest of your life? That's what he got. Why? Because he, when told that Christ had risen from the dead, as he said, he said, I will not believe until I put my hands in his palms and see where the nails were. Unless I put my hand in his side and see where he is pierced with the spear, I will not believe. And Jesus shows up. Uh Uh-oh. And there Thomas sits. I mean, can you imagine his face? I can. You've all been there with me, you doubting Thomases. We have all doubted. And this chapter is about stopping it. Once and for all. To become like Noah, living in a time with no rain and believing rains coming. In judgment, Jesus said to Thomas, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. By the way, if you're a Christian today, you have not seen Jesus. You did not touch his hands and his side as Thomas was offered by Jesus. Then Thomas, in his shame, said, I believe. You're believing in a Jesus you never saw because the Bible told you so and you're convinced it's true. See, even when Jesus walked on the earth, he was proclaiming himself as the prophets had predicted. In the book of John, such a glorious statement of who God is through Jesus the Christ In chapter 12 of the book of John, we look at verse 37. John 12, verse 37 says, But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. They did not believe in in him, listen, that the word, purpose, that the word of Isaiah the prophet, those words we just read, that the words of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled which he spoke Lord, who has believed our report? No one. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed to all who were there as Jesus walked. Therefore, they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn so that I should heal them. For generations they refused to believe, and for them now Jesus' coming was too late. They had refused to walk by faith as Noah and be counted righteous. And now it was too late. These things Isaiah said, verse 41, John 12, when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. And now I want you to see a warning. Jesus cried out and said, verse 44, skipping one. Then Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. Do you realize that? When you believe in Jesus, you're not believing in Jesus alone. You're believing in the God, the Father, who sent Jesus as the deliverer from his judgment and warnings. And he who sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come as light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Now listen. Here's the good news. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. Some would say, "Oh, that's good. Whoo, got out of that one." Well, listen further. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Why did Jesus come? Not to punish, but to save. Verse 48. Here it is, he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. Okay, Jesus will not judge him. What will judge him? The word. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Hearing the words of Jesus is dangerous. On the other side, it is safe. It is protective if you believe. If you don't and reject it, you're judged by the very words of Jesus. In this book, this book where Jesus is presented as the Word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14 of chapter 1, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus said, the very words that I speak have the power and the judgment over you. For I have not spoken of my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak and I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. He said, Believe! If You don't believe there's a storm coming. Would you be that one who stands on the side and says, "Ah, oh, I'll write it out. Or my favorite non-believing statement, Well, I'd rather be in hell anyway. That's where all my, help me, Friends are. Yeah, good luck with that. It's not party time in hell. It's burning time in hell. Fear God's judgment. And do something. Romans again repeats this statement from Isaiah. In chapter 10, verse 16, speaking this way, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? But then we find this. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You see I had to put a cometh in there? I learned that in the old King James years ago. I can't get it out of my head. That's how you say it. Faith cometh by hearing. You've got to hear the word. The power of the word, Jesus said, is what will condemn you. The power of the word is what will save you. Remember, Romans chapter 10 has these wonderful words that come before 16. Verse 9, if you confess with your mouth mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, what? That God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's the good news. It also says that that message of the gospel needs to go out. So in 10, 14, how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall people hear the warning of God? How shall people hear of the salvation of God unless somebody declares it? And then verse 15 says, right before 16, How wonderful on the mountaintop are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace who've preached the gospel of peace. You can have peace with God and not have the judgment of God upon you in his wrath. You can have peace with God by faith in his word. I believe in the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that he died and rose again on the third day for me. I'm looking forward to that salvation as though it already is. Even though right now, I'm quite a piece of work. Not perfect. Not fully sanctified. But I am fully justified. The justice of God is off of me. A God-fearing man, number two, acts on the warnings of God. Acts on the warnings of God. We go back to the book of Hebrews. And again, verse 7 of chapter 11, By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household. So this is what it looks like. This is what a God-fearing man who acts on the warnings of God actually looks like, and there's three portions to it. There's a prompt, there's a plan, and there's a purpose. First, the prompt. The prompt to godly fear. Look at what our text said. He was moved to godly fear. God said, I'm going to destroy the earth and every living creature in it. And Noah moved. I like that. It's simple. He was moved with fear. He said something like, "What? Yikes. I gotta do something." And then God told him what to do. So he's moved with godly fear. He's afraid. I mean, when God says he's going to destroy the earth, I mean, I mean, what are you afraid of? Tell me, what are you afraid of? Every day, what's your fear? Some of you scaredy cats. get scared a lot. You probably have a short list. At like this. Some of the little stuff. Spiders. Little bigger stuff. Snakes. Some of the rest of you have some. Oh, finances. Man, this inflation thing. is driving me crazy. Some of your political types. Look at the president! I'm afraid! Look at the FBI! I'm even more afraid! Look at the IRS! Oh, pastor, this is horrible! It's fear, fear, fear. Those things don't fear. What can man do to you? Fear God. I'm going to destroy the earth and everything in it. Alrighty then. Now it's time to be afraid. And move. That is respect. Godly fear is indeed respect for the position of God, the one true God. Listen to me. He who spoke it into existence can speak it out. He who spoke this world into existence can speak it out of existence. If you don't believe the first words of the Bible, you can't believe in Jesus Christ. The Bible begins, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, full stop, Believe it or not. Not warning you're going to die. He's going to destroy you. Good news, safety. He's planned a way of escape. But if you don't believe he created it, you'll think you can save it. Isn't that where our world is right now? We can save the earth. We can save it. If we just kill all the cows, which plays really well here in Montana, If that were our only problem, it really would be an easy fix. Our problem is not the gases or lack thereof in the air, it's sin. The sin that denies who God is. You know, a people will never rise above their understanding of God. If you have a pagan view of God, i.e., we're God, we'll save the earth, then you have a very low view of the power available. And you're hopeless, and you live in fear. By the way, these people who are living this terror of trying to save the earth are truly frightened, and we have the message of hope for them, by the way, and we need to get it out there, but we have to be afraid first. Let me move on. Respect for God and his position as a God. He has the power to do these things. You know, have you ever been, you know, messing around in your house with that thing called power? You know, electricity? You ever inadvertently been plugging something into the wall and have like your fingers wrapped around on the two metal doofy things rather than on the plasticky thing? How'd that feel? A little association with power. Kind of undid you a little, didn't it? It's like, ooh, that was dumb. And then you got to tell everybody in your life, right? Hey, guess what? I'm so dumb, I can't pull these things in. Woo, did they give me a joke? Man, that scared me. That's kind of what I'm saying here Noah did. Jesus. Hebrews 5. Verse 5. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son today, I have begotten you. And he also says in another place, You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him. This is Jesus praying with tears and vehement cries, to him, his father, who was able to save him from death, and he was heard, why? Because of his what? Godly fear. Do you realize Jesus was a possessor of godly fear? As he walked as a man, he walked in godly fear. He knew the wrath of God better than you. And he was afraid of it. And he prayed, if this cup could pass from me, Lord, please, but not my will, but thine. Knowing the wrath of God, he took the wrath of God for all who would believe. Will you not believe? Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Jesus cried, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then he died under the wrathful hand of God against sin. Some would say we should not fear God. God only wants good things for people. He does want good things for people, and he has provided a way of escape. Unless you don't listen to the warnings and take safety. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, he will not fear. We will not fear. Even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, and though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, Selah. That's the prompt. The plan is this, and he carried it out. A God fearing man acts on the warnings of God. He carried out the plan of God, he prepared an ark. Those who count, which is not me, and those who look at these genealogies in the time of the beginning of this statement of God's warning to the building of the ark, they say it's 120 years. So Noah believed the ark. He had a plan. He built for 120 years, building and waiting for what he believed was coming, a big rain to flood the earth. Well, Christian, how long have we been waiting We've been waiting for the promise of Christ over 2,000 years and waiting for Jesus. Should we be any less faithful? We stand together. Noah stood alone. And faith stands the test of time. 120 years of believing. How many years are you going to live? I just asked you. Who would like to make 100? No hands went up. Oh, one. I got one. Some of you are escapists. You just want the rapture. Let's get out of here. It's not so bad to hope for God to come get us. But I'm saying while you're here, it's time. Only a man who walks with God closely could build a vessel to sail an unseen sea, lead his family into an ark, wait for rain seven days, trust God during nearly a year afloat. Noah believed by faith the word of God unto his fear and took action. He built the boat. That's the plan, the prompt, the plan, and now the purpose. He prepared the ark for the saving of his family. For the saving of his family. Noah was a God-fearing father bent on protecting his family for the saving of his household. God the Father, saving children from the wrath to come, is so clearly done for all of us in the book of 2 Peter. That is an entire warning of our age. Given to us by the apostle Peter of the time of false teachers, this warning is tendered. And it's tendered in a loving way by an apostle who loves those who he writes to. And he says it this way 2 Peter 3, verse 1, he begins, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. Don't forget that you may be mindful of the words which are spoken to you by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Listen, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? Where is this Jesus, you Christians? You've been saying it forever, my whole life, you Jesus. Oh, Jesus coming back. Jesus is coming back. Nanner, nanner, nanner. Where is he? Well, this is nothing new on the face of the earth. This is nothing new. Where is the promise of it coming? For for since the fathers fell asleep, we continue. All things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Verse 5 exposes it. For this they willfully forget. In other words, they shut off their ears and their minds. This they willfully forget, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded by water, Peter says. That's Noah. And the heavens and the earth, which are now, preserved by the same word, listen Here comes the fear. Preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Brothers and sisters, every time you look up and see a rainbow, that is a guarantee that God once flooded the earth and killed mankind and he promised not to flood it again. But he did promise to burn it. That's why we say man will not destroy this earth totally. God has reserved that right for himself. It is a fire warning. A fire warning. Which brings me to my third point. A God-fearing man proclaims the warnings of God. He doesn't just say, Ooh, goody. (laughs) Me and my family are out of here. The rest of you guys, Nah, 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 nah. You're toast. Think about that. If that was the kind of man Noah was, we said, well, what are you building the ark for? Oh, no, just kind of a house. Don't worry about it. I just like to work with wood. What else am I going to do when you live 800 years? Our text in Hebrews 11 says this. He prepared an ark for the saving of his household, listen, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. His work was a condemnation to the world in its sin and its wickedness, calling on them to repent. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, we read, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness, to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, listen, one of eight people, Peter says, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. Did you see that little phrase? Bringing in his preaching, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. If you're a God-fearing man, you bring a message of fear to those who need it, a warning, and by doing so, you are providing them with condemnation if they refuse or salvation if they believe. God-fearing men who preach God protect their families by listening to the warnings of God. Let me tell you something that you all know about. There was a fire in Hawaii. Do you know about this? Island of Maui. Town of Lahaina. Destroyed. You want to fear fire? Look at those pictures. You want to ask how frightening it is? Go talk to the people who still have not found a trace of their family members who are still missing. A fire. 2,700 homes destroyed. 115 people confirmed dead. Many more we don't know. You know what the complaint is? Do you know what the complaint is? Why didn't someone turn on the warning sirens and warn us? They knew and they did not do. Christian, what are you doing? Are your warning signs on or do you not fear God? The world is going to burn. Not just a town. Look at those pictures. The world. Men, how's your ark coming along for your families? If you know the world's going to burn and if you didn't, now you do. I just read it. Are you building an ark around your family with the words of God? See, the danger of wrath and fire to come, your children need salvation in Jesus. And the danger of the error is that in the world that they live in, saying, oh, don't believe it. He'll never come. They need direction. They need salvation, and then they need direction and the danger of following the world where they are going, they need protection. Constrain them to enter the ark of Jesus Christ and believe on Him. 2 Peter 2 9, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under the punishment for the day of judgment, and especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. Preachers preach the good news and the bad news. Without the bad news, there's no good. There's no God-fearing in you. A God-fearing man then is rewarded for fearing God. Number four, this is the last feature, the last feature of Noah, and it's the most important one. A God-fearing man is rewarded for fearing God. Our text says, and he became heir of, Of the righteousness which is according to faith. See, he wasn't marked as righteous because he built the ark. The text doesn't say that. He was not marked righteous because he took animals and his family into the ark. That's not what the text says. And he was not marked righteous because he preached condemnation to the world. He was judged righteous by God in God's courts because he believed God's warning. He took God at his word. He feared the warning spoken by God. Noah believed that God said it would be a flood and so he acted and so he lived and so he preached In faith and God marks that as righteousness. Brothers and sisters you don't build an ark without faith. You don't call your children into the ark without faith. So you don't go to church without faith yourself and you don't teach your children about faith in Jesus in the church without showing them yourself that you fear the judgment of God and you tell them that it's coming. Children, if you don't believe, you will be burned in the wrath of God. Adults, old people, whatever your age, time is short, the warnings are clear, the fire of judgment is coming upon the earth. The day of the Lord is at hand. Do you believe it? They didn't in Noah's time, The very strata of the rocks of our mountain proves they were wrong. But the Bible proves everything. You see, the ark did not save Noah and his family. It didn't save Noah and his family permanently. It saved them physically. It only put out Put off the death of Noah for a time. In Genesis 9 29, these words are said of Noah, and he died. So where's Noah now? Well, Noah's in heaven with Christ, and he'll be coming to this earth again. He will be an inheritor, he's an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. He gained eternal life by belief in the words of God that God gave him. Quit trying. Quit trying to get good enough for God before you come to him. You can't. His word also says that. Titus 3 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. And then the reward is for all. Hebrews 12 28, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Let's pray. Lord God, how hard it is to speak of your wrath. How difficult it is to proclaim your judgment. But how wrong it would be, Lord, if we withheld that message that cries out for people to seek safety, to seek safety in Jesus Christ, your Son. You sent him to seek and to save that which was lost. And you guaranteed that all who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. This we believe, saved from the wrath to come through Jesus by faith. Do the work that you want this word to do in each heart and mind that hears it. I ask of you in Jesus' name. Amen.